As the Clone Wars come to a climax, visions of a dark future torture Anakin Skywalker and tempt him towards the dark side of the Force. Will his desire to save Padme and form a new empire save the balance of the Force, or throw it into ruin? The prequel trilogy comes to an end, and the galaxy's most powerful warriors will clash in Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Welcome to Star Wars Week and to the review of Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Woo! Woo! We're finally at the end of the prequel trilogy with what many to consider to be the one watchable one, the one good one, the one that kind of made up for the previous two. Yes to all of those things and more. Exactly. To me, like, Star Wars Episode 3 is what the prequel should have been from the very outset with a very clear direction of where it wanted to go. And it's very clear from watching this movie again uh, that this is clearly the story that George Lucas wanted to tell from episode one, but felt like he had to build up to it. Yes. You know, know, we take Star Wars, we take the good, and we take the bad. And luckily, even after repeated watchings, Revenge of the Sith still falls into the good camp. It's still a good movie. There's a few reasons for this, I think. Yeah. I think... This is George Lucas's best directorial um, adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you mean since A New Hope, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I'd say since A New Hope. This is by far and away his best directorial effort. Yeah. Um, he seems more playful. He seems to be dealing with you know grander themes like we saw in the original trilogy instead of just having it all be CGI and, and all the bad tropes you associate with George Lucas. A lot of them fall by the wayside in this one and he gets back to true emotion that was kind of lacking in the first two. They try and crowbar in some emotion and sometimes it works like the death of Qui-Gon Jinn and, and stuff like that but it, this is where true impact comes back. There's real gravitas and weight to pretty much everything that happens in this movie. It's Apart from the setting up of the Clone Wars which then later on which we haven't covered in the podcast but I'm sure we'll cover in our in our other media around Star Wars the Clone Wars was like, it needed to be done because it has been mentioned by Princess Leia in A New Hope. The other thing that needed to be done is the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And that's very much what this story is. It's it's the story everybody knows the end to, but couldn't wait to see. Very true. Now, I have a reason, a speculation why this might be. Michael. Go on. Do you know who was the executive producer in secret of Episode 3? Well, given the fact that it's written down on that screen there... Yes. Spoiling the magic slightly, I'm going to guess at a certain Steven Spielberg. Yes. My God. A little bit of Star Wars history, obviously you'll know this, but um, Steven Spielberg was um, George Lucas' original choice to direct um, Return of the Jedi. Correct. But because George Lucas got kicked out of the directing guild for putting his credits at the end of the movie instead of at the start of the movie, as was tradition... Um, he got kicked out of the guild, he had to hire Richard Marquand, who was shit, so he had to sack halfway through <laughs> and uh, return of the Jedi and come back, despite the fact he could have a heart attack at any point. Eddie Hoosel. He kept one and two to himself, but having had the critical backlash against both, he clearly brought in his best friend, Steven Spielberg, to um, oversee. I've seen the documentary on episode three where they keep making allusions, not very subtle allusions, to who's 
the executive producer. Who's who's basically making all the plates spin. Essentially. Now, how much of a hand he had to play, you know, remains to be seen. Whether he was a direct influence on the movie, an advisor, or just someone that George Lucas would bounce ideas off. We don't know. But if you've got to attribute, you've got to find out what changed between the first two movies, which, as we discussed in the last two podcasts, we're not fans of. Not really. I'm an episode two apologist, but even I know it's not a good movie. Whereas this movie... As you'll find out over the next half an hour, I'm going to defend to the hilt. Because I freaking love Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> it is a good movie, I'm not going to... I adore Revenge of the Sith. Um, and I, by far and away, the best prequel movie. Um, oh yeah, without a doubt. And part of that is because they brought... As much as said they brought um, Gravitas and stuff back, it also has the best acting performances by far in Star Wars movie, including... This is the episode where we've had um, a Senator... What's his, what's his name? Is he Senator Palpatine? He is Senator Palpatine. Senator Palpatine. Um, he was a bit part player in the first one. If you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't even remember him in the movie. I re- very quick on the side note, because I don't want to waste too much time. I remember having uh, a Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace... Uh, ac- excuse me. Activity book... Uh, and covering the top half of Senator Palpatine's head and then looking at a page with Darth Sidious on it and going, oh my god. Because I never put it together. I never put it together, even though I'd seen the previous three movies. Because, is he ever referred to as Emperor Palpatine in the original trilogy? I'm mm-hmm. fairly certain he's only referred to as the Emperor. We now know he's Emperor Palpatine. Yeah. But if you weren't paying attention in the previous two movies, then obviously it all comes to a head here. Where, as everybody in the dog knows now, Senator Palpatine becomes Emperor Palpatine, otherwise mm-hmm. known as Darth Sidious. He's never, oh, just, I, I don't think he is, but he's never referred to as Emperor Palpatine in the original trilogy, is he? No, not that I'm aware of. So, I was completely blindsided until I actually watched Revenge of the Sith. Like, oh, how did I not figure this out sooner? I clocked on fairly early. In fact, in his first scene with Dooku, I clocked kind of where we were going. Um, do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> That's the thing because Ian McDermott does like those little flourishes that, like, he's keeping his composure with good Anakin, and it sounds like Palpatine, but then Sidious creeps through Palpatine. at several different points. Do it, like, because he sounds and, like the Emperor. Then. And I'll give him this: he probably turned in what was the best acting performance of all three trilogy, uh, all three um, movies in this episode solidified by one specific scene. Yes, I'm glad you wrote it down because it's one of my favourite scenes. Out of the prequel trilogy. In all of Star Wars. In all of Star Wars, because because of how understated and weighty it is at the same time. It's the scene of uh, the speech of the tragic tale of Darth Plagueis the Wise. In the opera house. In, yeah. Key fact, that is the only scene in which George Lucas actually appears on screen as an alien. Oh, really? He's in As Anakin's running into the opera house, he kind of runs up to the door where... Um, since uh, Palpatine skyboxes and he runs past a blue George Lucas and George Lucas's daughter. Oh, who's an MMA fighter? Oh, I know. Um, yeah, it's the it's a a speech that when I was little, when I first well, I wasn't little when I first watched this movie. When I was younger, we were like thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, something it, like that. it didn't really resonate with me. I thought it was a cool scene, but it didn't really. This is one that gets better with repeated viewing. Oh yeah. You see the subtleties in the acting, the, the inflections in his face whenever he says certain things, and just the malice and the, the, the kind of manipulation that's going on. It's, it's, it, yeah, the manipulation, and it's the window into the wider universe that I really like about that scene. The fact that we learn about Darth Plagueis, a character we have yet to see on screen, who knows what The Force Awakens will bring, however. Um, possibly. 
But he's dead. <laughs> come on, it's not stopped other characters coming back before, True has that. it? Really? But it's a scene that shows off that the Sith Order has existed for a long time. It shows off the malicious intentions of Palpatine, who carries on the tradition of Siths killing their masters for reasons. And of course, it absolutely foretells exactly what's going to happen in this, in the original trilogy. That this incredibly wise, incredibly smart, calculated Sith Lord will raise a very strong apprentice who will inevitably end up being his doom. And it's it's that wonderful sort of like that dissonance. Symmetry. Symmetry and dissonance, because it's it's a symmetrical thing that continues over the prequels and hopefully it's something that continues into the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. as well. It's the fact that he just doesn't realise. He 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 talks about uh, Plagueis like he's a fool, not without realising what a fool he is and what mm-hmm. a fool Anakin will be mm-hmm. and how foolish it all is. And it's... I could go on for days really about could. that scene. And he's such a good actor that very temporarily he makes Hayden Christensen look good. I know! By, what the hell? by proxy, Hayden Christensen turns in the only good performance other than right at the end on Mustafa. Yeah, he's still not very good for most of this movie. Now, admittedly... When he makes the turn to Darth Vader, from there on out, he's pretty good. He's doing angst and, you True. know. There's one other scene where he's okay, and it's when he finds out that Adme, uh, Padme's pregnant, and he doesn't know how quite how to react because he knows that this is forbidden, but he does secretly want it, but he is worried about the children. He is, he is having those visions. It's the one time, well, one of the very few times, and it's all in this movie, that I think Hayden Christensen turns in some decent, you know, performances. Very good point. Uh, whilst we're talking about other people who, and actually, well, we just cover one. I'm just going to say this is the best work by Ian Christensen, and I would say even by Ian McDermott, and that's rivaling his appearances in the original trilogy as well. I go so because in the in the original trilogy, he's kind of the pantomime villain. Yeah, he's kind of the high and mighty, you know, attack from the shadows type of guy. You don't know a lot about the Emperor. That's kind of his appeal, and as much as we have problems with them humanizing other characters through the prequel trilogy, like. Darth Vader, like Boba Fett, I think it actually his performance, at least for me, actually makes Sidious's latter appearances actually makes them better in retrospect. You you do see that the great extents that Sidious and the Sith Order have taken to get to where they are by the time we start a new hope, and it is marvelous to see. Uh-huh. Um, just a quick aside because we haven't actually mentioned her much in the past two podcasts. Um, feelings towards Natalie Portman as uh, Princess Amidala slash Padme. Uh, I didn't like her in the first one, it must be said. I think she definitely got better as things went along. In episode two, she has a scene where she calls the um, the Battle of Geonosis a hostile negotiation, yeah. which I thought was really good. And in this movie as well, way more emotional. And you know, it's a shame that it's the end to that character because although you initially despise her as you do with Anakin, you grow to this character over these three movies. And, but you know how it's going to end. You know that it only ends in tragedy. Mm-hmm. But as Natalie Portman went along, the performances got better, and it's just a shame that we won't see any more of her. I know. She became more and more layer-like as things went on. Yeah. And you, you saw, like... Now, admittedly, they don't do women very well in Star Wars at all. <laughs> Not really, But no. the two they do have, Leia and, and, and Padme, are very good characters, both very strong, independent female characters. She dies of a broken heart, which is just some grade A <laughs> yeah. um, BS. So we can kind of scoot over that one just a little bit. Yeah. But um, well, yeah, she's. Uh, uh, we should have mentioned her prior to this, but thumbs up for you, Natalie yeah. Portman. Now, 
In the previous episode, I mentioned how much I despise Hugh McGregor's performance in episode two. If you're, about, if you're about to heel turn this now... Wait, stop. Wait, stop. I, I just despise his, his, his performance as Owen Clark. I, don't, I wasn't a big fan of him in episode one, but really in episode two was just the, the absolute drizzling craps. He turns it round 180 degrees, you in ass. my opinion, <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith. This is... This is basically like the reincarnated spirit of Alec, Alec Guinness is back and he is Obi-Wan it and that is. is Obi-Wan and that is Alec Guinness and they're the same person. It's the little things. I was When I was watching the movie again the other day, it's before he jumps down to attack Grievous, you see him do the whole... like He, he disrobes, his stance is very Alec Guinness-like and he, he, he goes in and he strokes the beard and he folds his arms. He surveys everything around him like a wise Jedi would. Before doing the things that we know that young Obi-Wan would do, which is actually participate in quite a dangerous fight. Mm-hmm. But even in the fights, he plays it extremely... Not calm. not wisely, but yeah, calm, I guess. As I mean, he, he strikes this pose to throw off um, a group of battle droids. He's totally ripping off Vegeta's two-fingered point as well from Dragon Ball Z. Shut up. Uh, and of course... And then he just... And then he, He's in this stance pose and then he just stands bolt upright and just forces something down <laughs> gently onto him. Like, that is so Obi-Wan. Yeah, you, you dead net. Because it's so gentle. It, re- it reminds you just of Alec Guinness doing the Jedi mind trick um, in Mos Eisley. He's like... Sorry, you, you know. just reminded me of my one of my favourite bits of the entire Star Wars series when Yoda walks into um, Sidious' office oh, yeah. and just knocks out the two um, Emperor's guards. He's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it is very good. Little, little thing... One of those two may or may not have been you, McGregor. Really? He because he fell in love with the Emperor's Guard in the first one. Even though they don't do much, they're only kind of in Jedi. Yeah. And they're just like red stormtroopers in cloaks. But yeah, he was adamant to play one. They never said if he did or not, but I'd like to think he did. Oh, not tip by shout. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, definitely his best work in this one. I I love that he he, um, he channeled Alec Guinness without doing an impression. Yeah. Of Alec Guinness. Yeah. It felt like. You know, to do an impression, that's an 80-year-old man. You're a late 30s, 40-odd man. You're not going to be the same person, but the through line's there. Yeah. So, yeah, big thumbs up for you, you McGregor. I still hold it, and, I mean, you'll see this in the covering media this week, that we we do love Obi-Wan. He is one of the best characters from Star Wars. Easily. And it in this movie, as much as I actually defend Obi-Wan in the previous two, I like seeing the arrogance of young Obi-Wan evolve into the wiseness of, of Alec Guinness. Um, but in this one, I feel like, as much as Alec Guinness is probably the definitive Obi-Wan, and a lot of people will choose Ben Kenobi over Obi-Wan Kenobi, yeah. if you know what I mean, just see, like you say, seeing the through line, seeing and right at the end of the movie, you know that Obi-Wan is about to become the withered old guardian of Luke mm-hmm. Skywalker. And it's, it's genuinely quite heartwarming. It's really, really good. It is. And, uh, you know, his hair in this one isn't as good as episode two. No, no. <laughs> Just to point out, for all these bad things he did in episode two, Ewan McGregor's hair was immaculate in episode two. It's like a mullet. To the point oh, where we were, we were writing up lists the other night. We were, um, we were doing the... Doing the list for the videos that we have um, coming up on, on their site soon. And I insisted on having at least an option <laughs> for Ewan McGregor's episode two hair. <laughs> Because it cannot be denied just how <laughs> magnificent his hair was in episode two. Shall we move on from the hair? You probably should, yes. General Grievous. No. General Grievous is a contentious fellow. Some people see him as kind of like a time-wasting device, something to take up room in the middle of the of the episode. Kind of how Dooku was shoehorned in 
because they need a, 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 an apparent and physical threat in episode two. Yeah. That's what General Grievous feels like for some in episode three. Which isn't the case if people have watched anything to do with the Clone Wars. But, to give benefit of the doubt to the vast majority of people, they won't have. Fair enough. So I, for example, haven't seen the Clone Wars. Um, so I was not... I have none of his... I know his backstory because I've read it. But I wasn't introduced to the character that way. What are your opinions on General Grievous? As a threat other than Sidious, because as we know, the, the three main bad guys in this movie, Sidious, Vader, Grievous, as the lowest tier, I feel like he's the most iconic um, post-Darth Maul villain. So Darth Maul is an iconic look with an iconic weapon, an iconic line, and had an iconic scene. Whereas I feel that Grievous was has the iconic look, but doesn't really have that iconic a moment. His battle is great. I do love it. It is going to be on the list of our top ten battles. I'm fairly certain that Obi Wan Grievous makes it onto that list. If not, we'll address why. We'll address why if it's not on there. Mm-hmm. But it's not as memorable as Maul, and it's not as great and as as quotable as as the as say um, Vader Luke in Cloud City. Mm-hmm. For, to me, his entire appearance is very much hindered by the fact that it's overuse of CG. Now, it's not as bad as the overuse of CG in the previous entries into the prequel trilogy, but Grievous himself is not a practical effect, which, you know, would have been cool, but I can see why they went down mm-hmm. CG route. On a blue screen background with CG droids all around them, with CG lightsabers battling the only human element is Obi-Wan Kenobi. The battle is great, and it's very well choreographed, and that's something we'll come back to later on in this movie. But it's not exactly beat-for-beat perfect. And I think that's where it struggles, because you come back to Anakin Obi-Wan, it's beat-for-beat perfect, possibly the best lightsaber fight of all time. You go back to Yoda Sidious later on in the movie, and that is truly a struggle between the most powerful figureheads of either side of the Force. Grievous is... Uh, iconic looking but ultimately defeatable lackey which I think is a problem for people who hadn't seen uh, the Clone Wars stuff so we'll get your opinion but I need to talk about the Clone Wars stuff as well I love General Grievous Ah, (laughs) I really 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 like General Grievous as a mid-level boss as you kind of oh no but you're the princess in another castle type level boss I think he's the best one in all the prequel trilogy I think He's the best full CGI character in all of Star Wars. I can't think of anyone better. I like his quotes. I quote him on a semi-regular basis. This will make a fine addition to my collection. I've said that before. <laughs> um, uh, oh, what's the other one? You must realise you are doomed when he says it to a woman. They're like, eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. I like... Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I liked it more because I watched the documentary where they said they were basically trying to create proto-Vader to show you kind of like... Um, because the story I've read to General Grievous, I'm not going to go into his backstory, but basically something akin to what happens to Anakin happened to him. That's why only his eyes survive. Yeah, yeah, sure. I love the design, both the cloak and the thing. I the wheezing and if just everything about him, and the fact he has four lightsabers at once. I, yeah, yeah. I can I can address the Clone Wars thing now. The whole wheezing thing. Um, Mace Windu. Mace Windu. Yeah. So that's the, that's the entire reason to watch the surrounding material because you see the exploits of Jedi's in the Clone Wars and you find out more about Grievous and about other famous Sith like Asajj Ventress who sadly don't make it into this movie mm-hmm. who are still considered canon, so it's fine. Okay. Well, that's the thing with General Grievous because as a mid-level boss, he's able to take 
Obi-Wan Kenobi's attention and give Obi-Wan something to do whilst Anakin's being manipulated. You needed a way to get Kenobi out of that situation for the time being. Because otherwise he would have been muddled and he would have gone to him advice. Da, 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 da. So as a f- he's more function than than form maybe in terms of like character development, but for what he was, I really liked it. And in terms of Power Rangers um scale of escalation, Darth Maul had two lightsabers General Grievous has four. Yeah. It's just... So, yeah. I love And then come Force Awakens, Kylo Ren's going to have, like, the like the Swiss Army knife. Like, it's going to be... Then again, like, I don't want to talk too much about this random material, but have you seen Star Wars? No. Okay, never mind. No, I have not. Stop it. Let's leave it there. Okay, so we've kind of covered most of the stuff that happens before the real turn of this movie where he goes from a good movie to a truly great movie in my opinion now he's of course execute order 66 I, I love that scene it's it's terrible because it's it's the death of all these characters that we know and love but that is holy hell is it a hard hitting scene it's what the first two episodes lacked yeah it lacked well we say, we said this it lacked emotional depth and weight watching the Jedi Council get utterly decimated Watching Anakin killing younglings, and amongst other things, make that movie as weighty and as important to the mythos as it is. Because Order 66 is, and I don't want to use the term lightly, but you understand why I'm using this term, it is the Auschwitz of the Jedi Order. They are decimated in one fell swoop, leaving three members alive. Yeah, basically. Three of them live throughout the entire thing. Now... It also sets up for the clone troopers to become the stormtroopers. You learn a little bit more in the expanded material about clone troopers that don't want to execute Order 6, but that's an entirely different story. Mm-hmm. And you learn about how the Senate ascends Palpatine to the height of Emperor. Order 66 happens over the span of like a few days or a day. Yeah. And it's it's brutal. And it shows what Palpatine's capable of, and that's why it's so powerful. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Just, you mentioned something I just want to quickly touch on. I liked how this movie shows the the through line again from episode 3 to episode 4, which is also because the um, Republic, like, gunships are very much Star Destroyers. Yeah. Star Destroyers. Yeah, yeah. The, the clones, like, starships are clearly, like, prototypical X-Wings of where they're going. I liked that they started to look more like Stormtroopers or Clone Wars, um, the Clone Troopers. Just little things like this just start to add. And I liked that they did that to try and, you know, bridge the gap between the two without sure. being overly obvious. You know what I mean? The evolution was there for, if you wanted yeah. to dig below the Without them, like, literally whacking the blueprint to a TIE fighter on the table. This like. is it. Yes. <laughs> if only it had two panels. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Order 66 is there because this has to be, if you're looking at it as a, as a curve, Episode 3 has to be the absolute emotional low point of the entire series there has to be hope there a new hope perhaps um, but it has to come down the curve to go back up to get to your peak of Jedi true and in terms of doing that Pearl harbouring all the Jedi <laughs> yeah. is probably the best way to do that now, obviously it meant more to us because we played all the video games we watched you watch the cartoon stuff so we know Plo Koon and Keanu Monday and and Kit Fisto oh, Kit, Kit Fisto, Fisto. Um, just get wiped out by everybody. Wait, no, who kill? Oh yeah, kill Fisto gets Fisto gets killed by Sidious, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. he's with Windu. He is. Um, just an excellent 
an excellent scene. Now, the, the fight with Windu isn't actually on my list, but I'm, I'll, we'll touch on it quickly. That that did give birth to one of my favourite cheesy performances, again, from Ian McDermott. Chewing scenery. Oh, Lord, Lord. there was no scenery left. There was no. just crumbs. No, you are Unlimited power! And then he falls out the window for some reason. And that's the end of Mace Windu. Yep, bye Mace. See you in a bit. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for coming. Cheers. Um, I, I go back and forth on that scene. I think he's a bit too over the top for my liking. I appreciate it's, the lines that came with it. It's so wonderful. I know, it? but it's just... Ugh, it's like it's like a comedy skit in the middle of my deep and dark and depressing... Um, but as the start of the birth of Vader, yes, 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 it's yes. pretty great. I know. But uh, now, quick question on Order 66. Obviously it involves all the, you know, the cool scenes of all the Jedi getting killed, but do you think the younglings was too far? I think... And I want to keep it this the discussion of the scene to as minimum because I want to get to the big battles. I think that that scene was was put in with purpose, but wasn't fully fleshed out. If you know what I mean, that scene went in. It's like let's have Anakin killing kids. Like yes, I can see why Vader would do this in his most raw emotional angered state. However, he does it before the death of Padme, before the possible disappearance slash birth of his children. Before he receives the title of Vader, actually no, is it after the title of Vader or after? It's after Windu dies. Oh yeah, so it's after he gets the title of Vader. After Windu it... goes out the window, that's when he becomes <laughs> jumping out the window. No. No. <laughs> um, so and then the reaction by Obi Wan and Padme is just very much glossed over. Mm-hmm. I've seen Alakin killing younglings, and that's that's it. And, yeah. and Padme's like, he wouldn't do that, and that's it. Like, there's no sort of. There's no emotional weight to that bit as there is during Order 66 and during the You Were the Chosen One speech where it is heart-wrenching. Whereas he's killing children. That should be heart-wrenching. And it's not. It's a throwaway. I, I again, go back and forth. I like the way it's shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he's just, you know, the kid and then you see the lightsaber turn on and yeah. it cuts away. Oh, George Lucas, of course, hiring the most quality child actors. Yeah. What are we going to do, Master Anakin? Well, I, don't know why he's, I don't know why he's Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> Master Anakin. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> um, but I think, right, because obviously the, ep- the six episode scene as a whole are the birth, fall and rise of Anakin Skywalker... I think killing kids is probably... Now, he does immediately go and blow up a planet in the next movie. The possibly had kids on it. <laughs> so the whole he brings balance to the force, whilst he does technically do that, he's still a bad person. Yes. I think killing children, as blatantly as it was shown here, whilst I appreciate the, the you know, in terms of turning Anakin heel, this does it in spades, but... Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I um. To and fro with that. Now, I am conscious that we're running low on time and I do want to get to talking about the final okay. battles. The, the reason why everybody loves yes. Revenge of the... Well, most people love Revenge of the Sith anyway. Okay, well, let's talk about the unexpected dream match. Because we all knew that Anakin versus Obi-Wan was coming. It was in the trailers on the poster. Yeah. The unexpected dream match no one knew we were going to get was Yoda versus Darth Sidious. In possibly one of the greatest arena-destroying matches of all time. Like you said, it opens with that hysterical thing of Yoda taking two guards out with literally a flick of his wrist, like, nope. And then and then you've got Sidious, he's 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 like he's he's got his like withered face and that, and he's got his quick draw lightsaber and he points it at Yoda and Yoda just very calmly yes. grabs his like doesn't even force his lightsaber into his hand, he just grabs it 
ignites and he goes to fucking town. Beautiful. Just yeah, they're in the 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 thing. It's called the the Galactic Senate. Yeah, throwing the things at each other. Yoda's bouncing everywhere. Why Jar Jar couldn't have been working overtime and just got. <laughs> just caught a wayward. <laughs> you know, you know the ones that Sidious is throwing. You just hear vumf, vumf, ooh, vumf. <laughs> you just took a stray one to the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you get a, a bigger sense of how powerful force users they are in this battle as well. They're throwing heavy goddamn platforms, lots of heavy Quite platforms nothing. at each other. And Yoda's dodging them with not a single problem. It's just, it's, it's such a good fight. A little anticlimactic because there's no like death to it. Obviously, there couldn't have been, but in comparison to the other fight that's happening simultaneously, which has a big finish, this kind of feels like Yoda technically loses. Which again, nil two for Yoda. Yeah. In terms of lightsaber battles, that's a bit annoying. <coughs> but, um, <coughs> Excuse me. Just an unexpected dream match. A nice thing to watch. Did that remind me again? Because it has been a couple of days since I've watched it, and I should have kept it in mind. But. Does that bat- match happen happen after happen? Does it happen after he says hello and goodbye to Chewbacca by any chance? Yes, yes. He says bye to Chewbacca to go back, go back and fight him, go yeah, back yeah. to go and get Sidious. Yes, we got to see Kashyyyk. We got to see Kashyyyk. A fantastic map on Battlefront Two, dude. Not only because you got Chewbacca, but because you also got Yoda, and it was the best. It was awesome. Um, goodbye, Chewbacca. Miss you, I Goodbye, Duffel. <laughs> Yay! And of course, lends queen to the fact that apparently Chewbacca and R2D2 are rebel spies, which just makes two of my favourite characters just that bit much cooler. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, sorry, a, a great match, a great visual spectacle. Oh, yeah. But definitely, even though this is Yoda versus Sidious, definitely the lesser of the two lightsaber battles, because happening simultaneously on the volcanic planet of Mustafar, we have possibly the best lightsaber battle of any Star Wars movie, blue on blue, <laughs> Anakin versus Obi-Wan. It was wonderful. The hero versus hero battle on Mustafar is absolutely incredible. It's the high point of the prequels. We can say that. Everything was building towards the betrayal of, of the Padawan, and it came, and when it did, good lord. Mm-hmm. I was satisfied. You were satisfied. Everybody who thought that the movie was a bit cack up to that point was no. still satisfied. Because it, it's... In terms of choreography and in terms of true weight behind most of the moves mm-hmm. and the importance of this battle that literally just... It's just these two people on like a mining facility on a planet that's being in abandoned hell. in hell. And it's the two most... The galaxy's most powerful warriors by this point because, like we said, the Jedi are gone. Mm-hmm. The Sith are on the rise, but there's still only two Force-sensitive members of that party. It feels like this is all or nothing. Yeah. This is one will win, one will die, and then that team will go on and be fine. But yeah, it's... Now, this is something that was helped by a documentary that's on the, the um, episode 3 DVD, at least. And it's called uh, All in a Minute or something like that. They show one clip of them going down one of the big like antenna-looking things... By the way, I love the shot of Anakin running up the antenna as it's falling into the thing. That's cool. It's a fantastic shot. Um, yeah, um, and it just showed you everything that went into that shot, the choreography and even the, like, the catering that was going on. So that helped just embellish my love for that film from a from a minutiae type of way. But yeah, like, if you had shown one thing to people after seeing the original trilogy and they, before Phantom, and you said, right, forget everything you're going to hear, you always knew that it would at some point Obi Wan fought Anakin. Here it is. Yeah. 
Imagine the mind-blowing that would have happened then. Good Lord. This feels authentic. As much as you can say episode one and episode two sometimes don't feel like they're ever connected to the original trilogy, this feels 100% authentic. Yes, this is the ultimate battle between Anakin and Obi-Wan. This is where it all went wrong for Because it is important. It's an important piece of Star Wars history. Like, like Order 66, it's very, very important that that battle took place and what happened did. It's just so glorious. Or I'm that, even okay with the pointless spinning, which usually gets on my nerves. I'm even okay with the fact just that... Just that, yeah, yeah, that... The pointless spinning, whoa, 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 the bit where whoa, they're whoa. floating on the stuff, and the bit where he says, I have the high ground, even though oh. he won having not got the high ground with Darth Maul. But, yeah, I know. But when it when it comes to that, that moment, when an overconfident Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, makes the jump, he's sliced in half, we get the best performance of the prequels. I'll say that. And it's just the tragedy of Anakin's one-arm crawl as he's in the dirt trying to crawl away from the fire. He's like, his legs have been locked. I was like, at least I've still got an ass, And that's on fire! <laughs> like, no! And Hugh McGregor gives the probably the... Okay, Darth Plager's speech, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But for my money, Obi-Wan's You Were the Chosen One speech. <laughs> oh, it's even my favourite one. Just, just that you can... I love you, Anakin. You're a brother to, to me. me. Just, oh. And then just as he's... As he's on fire, as he's becoming the deformed shit, like like just shell of a man he was, he just shouts, "I hate you!" and and oh. it's complete. He's Darth Vader. He picks up the lightsaber, and he just has to move away because he knows what's about to happen. It doesn't happen because Sidious finds him and yeah. saves him and stuff. But no, we're just going to quickly touch on the endings, plural. Yeah. I like the fact that they gave C-3PO the last line because it's circular because he had the first line in in New Hope. So he had, at the time, this being the last ever Star Wars. Oh, yeah, it was movie. the last line of dialogue because the rest was all... It was, oh, dear. And then... Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like the circularity of that. That makes me very happy from a media point of view. Yeah. Um, now, the, the problem that some people have with the birth of Darth Vader scene is the cheesy dialogue that happens. The, the cheesy end. no, essentially. No! Have you ever read Simon Pegg's alternative to this? I have not read Simon Pegg's Oh my god, I'm so excited. Okay. In his autobiography, he talks about his problems with the prequel trilogy. He, said, he hates one, hates two, and thinks three could have been saved with some change. He said, I know how to do the Darth Vader scene better, and I agree 100% with Simon Pegg. Right, so picture scene. It's basically the same setup, but Anakin doesn't wake up. Until he's basically all in the suit, other than the 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 face part. Yeah, yeah. Right? So he doesn't he doesn't see the the like the eyepieces opening on no, the. No, 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 no. Right, so he's all up to here. The face the face thing is hovering above him. He wakes up. He says essentially the same thing he says in the Darth Vader voice with James Earl Jones, but as Anakin, is Padme okay? And Sidious tells him that she's dead as the mask is coming down. <laughs> so as the mask clips on, the last thing Anakin Skywalker shouts. Is not like a blood curdling. No, the second the face like clicks, silence. And the last shot of the movie, he changed it around so everyone's scene happens before this. Yeah. The last scene in the movie is the first breath, the first breath of Darth Vader. Good And I was like, that is spine tinglingly good. That's poetry. And then you just like, I watch that scene now and just think. God, this could have been so much better. Although, like, yeah, it, it is. But for what we got, if you take away the cheesy no, you get you oh. get a terrified-looking Anakin get put into this thing, and you do get that moment of silence. You do get, the, ha- the like, the back part of the helmet gets clipped on, and then you get... Oh, God, that is... No, trust me, if you get to that point, he's just brilliant. Yeah. Just brilliant. Um, 
Yoda's sad little face when he arrives on Dagobah. I know. Um, and of course, the thing that brings it all together, you see Leia taken away with Bail Organa, who's in everything, by the way. He's in Dexter. He's in Sons of Anarchy. I'm like, you're Bail <laughs> um, You see Padme dying in childbirth. That's always You get to see movie. a funeral where Jar Jar oh. makes his only appearance of the movie. No, he is in earlier. He does oh, yeah, yeah, he's in the right Senate. Yeah, yeah, he's he in the Senate, but yeah. But then you get the actual ending of the prequel trilogy, which is Obi-Wan... Dressing his big old cloak with the, with the thing. Walking up to um, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru with little baby Luke in his arms, handing over Luke as, you know, Owen looks over on... Well, he hands it to Beru and then Owen's looking at the twin sons. Owen retreats, spins his moustache, goes on his merry way. And then you get the, the, the Star Wars theme starts playing as they're looking at the twin sons. And you know a new hope has been born and we're there, we're ready. And, and then... By... By prequel and then from there, it only gets better. From that point, it only gets better. Well, Michael, that was the prequel trilogy. That was the prequel trilogy. Thought, well, overall thoughts on Revenge of the Sith before we move on to overall thoughts on the original. It's a great movie. It's It doesn't really... Hey, we'll put it this way. If you take away the hindrance of the previous two movies, despite their great moments, such as their music, such as their lightsaber battles... Episode 3 is the most cohesive, the most weighty, and the most important of the prequel trilogies. If you were going to start somewhere, and you didn't want to put up with all the terrible acting just for the lore, if you didn't want to put up with the rubbish writing just for the lightsabers, you would start in episode 3 with the knowledge that you have from those two movies, Mm -hmm. and you would watch four very, very good movies. Incredibly good movies. As I've said, I love Revenge of the Sith. And for anybody that read my top 30 movies of all time, www.thegutridgedog.co.uk. Damn, son. You'll find that in my top five, Cool Running sits at number five. It's a legacy <laughs> pick. <laughs> it's, just, it's a legacy pick. Leave me alone. Numbers four, three, and two are all Star Wars movies. Um, Empire Strikes Back sits at number two. Return of the Jedi sits at number three. Revenge of the Sith sits at number four. It's above New Hope. Damn. In my opinion. I think New Hope... Doesn't hold up better under repeated viewing. It's a tad slow. Well, that's something we'll come into in the. We'll get in the, to that next in tomorrow's podcast, review, obviously. But Revenge of the Sith is one of my all-time favorite movies. I think this is this makes it completely worthwhile that I had to sit through two less than great, possibly bad movies to get to this one because I think this is just a this is a masterpiece of a movie. Everything I could ever possibly want from the story of Darth Vader. Taken just if you just called the story of Darth Vader and not Revenge of the Sith, this would be. I think more people would be forgiving of it. This is the one that people point to and say, that one was all right, but I think that's not going far enough. I don't think that praises it enough. Um, yeah, top five movie of all time this is. Damn. Friggin' love Revenge of the Sith. Okay, we've reached the end of the prequel trilogy. That we have. We, we've we given our thoughts. Episode one, no. Episode two, I apologise for, but ultimately no. And Revenge of the Sith, fantastic. Yes, it is. It really, really is. A worthwhile experiment, would you say, Michael? Or something that... Are we talking about the prequels as a whole as an experiment? Yes. Um, do you think, retroactively, you could go back to 1998 George Lucas? Would you tell him, stop, don't do them, leave them as the original trilogy, rewrite a lot of things, point out his mistakes, or just say, you know what, it led to episode three as it was, I wouldn't want to miss that out, carry on. Star Wars is good and bad simultaneously. Yes. And I think that the prequel trilogy, less so than the original trilogy... Is, in a, is a perfect embodiment of it because the original trilogy 
in my opinion, is still the best trilogy of films ever made. Mm-hmm. Nothing's topping it. No. The prequel trilogy is a great embodiment of what happens when you try to bring it to a new audience with two less than stellar attempts mm-hmm. and one brilliant one. For those movies to be made, and if it teaches the teaches us lessons for the sequel trilogy, for any other trilogy that happens in the future, as Star Wars goes on for multiple generations, we've learned. We know how to make a good Star Wars movie. We know how to make a bad Star Wars movie. But, you know, having Star Wars is still better than having no Star Wars. I agree. I think... For all that... There's many bad things about the prequels, don't get me wrong. But... There are good things in the prequels that we're going to enjoy for the rest of our lives that were created and formed in these movies. If you'd like to find out what those are, you can go and yeah. check out our video. You the certainly can. Top 10 best things about the prequel trilogy. From two days ago. But today's video, by the way, Ooh. is of course the top 10 battles in Ooh. Star Wars. Now, this includes big space battles as well as 1v1 lightsaber yes. duels. It's a great list. We had a lot of fun putting that one together. We really did. It um, was awesome. A lot of things we mentioned today are on that list, but which ones? Which what ones? Order? Jazz hunt. Mystery. Uh, yesterday's video, of course, was the best spin-offs, and of course, you've there's our Attack the Clones review from yesterday. And tomorrow, you're going to have the New Hope review and our video of our top ten favourite Star Wars characters. We're getting into the original trilogy, Michael. Oh my god, it's happening! It's happening! Yay. Okay, we will see you all tomorrow. Of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at the Guttridge. You can also check out my website, www.theguttridge.co.uk. Star Wars content. TBA. Um, <laughs> Valentainment.com and FowleyNT literally everywhere else. We're really not that hard to find now. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you tomorrow on Star Wars Week. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>